0: You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. He went in led by the Spirit.
1: He came out in the power of the Spirit. And I believe that God wants us walking in the power of the Spirit. Jesus was a type. He was the forerunner, the firstborn of many brethren. It is only in following Jesus in discipleship That we are changed into his image from faith to faith and glory to glory
0: as christians we know that jesus is in our heart but do we truly live out the power that he has for us today pastor jeff wants you to know that if you want to live out your faith to the fullest you need to press into god's holy power our world is getting darker and darker by the minute And if you don't make a stand in the name of Jesus, you will never live out the wonderful blessings that he has in store for you. Stop playing it safe and make the leap for the sake of Christ. Be a difference maker in his name. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Mark, chapter one, as he begins his message, the devil in blue jeans.
1: He went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching for he taught with real authority quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Now look what happened. Suddenly, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. Sometimes demons know more than people do. Jesus cut him short. Be quiet, come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed threw the man into a convulsion and then came out of him. Now, here's the effect of this. Amazement gripped the audience. And they began to discuss what had happened. Well, I I reckon they did. Can you imagine that happening in church? What sort of new teaching is this, they asked excitedly. Notice, they remarked on the teaching First, Then they said, it has such authority, and even evil spirits obey his orders. And look what happened. Revival broke loose. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. All right, we're going to kind of hopscotch through the book of Mark. Uh, I'm not going to cover every verse or anything like that. I'm going to kind of like a rock skips across a pond to to and lands on the other side. We're going to go across Mark this way. And I want to just pull out the highlights and and things that jump out at me as I'm reading the book of Mark. And it's an incredible book. We saw last time that Mark is the action gospel. It's the action gospel. He focuses way more on the deeds of Jesus than the teachings of Jesus. Brevity and conciseness are the way that Mark brought over his gospel, they are, it is, it is brevity, beautiful brevity, and very concise. It reads like a morning newspaper. It's one of the three synoptics, what we call the synoptics, and you ought to know what that is, because uh, you're going to see it in your Bible, the synoptic, synoptic gospels. What does that mean? It's simply Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptics. John stands alone. A synoptic simply means a synopsis of a life, a synopsis of something. Uh, So what you have with Matthew, Mark, and Luke is a synopsis of the life and the times, the ministry of Jesus. Matthew and Luke focus way more on teaching, Mark on the action, Mark on the miracles, all kinds of things he doesn't expand on that Matthew and Luke do. Now we're gonna be using these synoptic gospels throughout this series because uh, they, they give a different angle. Every one of them. Uh, you'll read about an event in Mark, and then you'll find the same event in Luke. But Luke will focus on something different. Or in Matthew, and Matthew will bring out something Luke or Mark didn't bring out. So I'm gonna to try to utilize the synoptics, the synoptic gospels, to milk these verses and these stories for everything they're worth. Uh, we saw last time that sometimes great blessing precedes a great battle. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes great blessing precedes a great battle. Uh, I learned a long time ago if God really blesses you, he's getting you ready for something. Now, that's not to make you afraid of getting blessed, you ought to want to get blessed. But uh, sometimes God will bless you greatly to strengthen you and prepare you for a difficult hour to come. Now, the flip side is sometimes great testing precedes great blessing. We saw that in Mark, that you can go through a real trial and what God is doing is he is tempering you, preparing you for a great blessing. Jesus faced the devil, his arch adversary, in a cosmic encounter in the wilderness. And these two cosmic personalities. That's what they were. Satan, the fallen archangel, Christ the Son of God, met in a showdown in the desert. More was at stake than we can ever imagine. Our salvation, our freedom, our redemption, all at stake. Satan trying to trip him up before he entered into his ministry, which was just around the corner, just about ready to set people free, preach the kingdom. Right before his greatest blessing, Satan attacked him. And you'll find that principle true in your own life. That sometimes you'll go through a great trial and it precedes. It's just before God releases a great blessing. It says, as soon as the devil was done tempting him, angels came and ministered to him. And I pointed out last time, he went into the wilderness led by the Spirit led by the Spirit. He came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. The Greek language is very crystal clear here. He went in led by the Spirit. He came out in the power of the Spirit. And I believe that God wants us walking in the power of the Spirit. Jesus was a type. He was the forerunner, the firstborn of many brethren. It is only in following Jesus, in discipleship, that we are changed into his image from faith to faith and glory to glory. Christianity is designed for us to come to Christ, be saved by Christ, and then follow him. He said to his disciples, follow me, and then I will make you to become It is in following him that we become. Genomai is the Greek word. It's the same word that Satan used when he tempted Jesus. And he said to Jesus, turn these stones into bread. He used the word genomai. In other words, genomai meant turn these stones into something they totally are not. Totally change them. Totally transform them. The same word is used by Jesus when he said, follow me and I'm going to make you to become. I'm going to totally change you. Wow. I don't know about you, but I want to be changed by Jesus. I'm in hot pursuit of him. How about you? And I want to be changed by him. And see, that's the promise. Follow me and I'm going to make you to become. The same kind of radical change as a stone becoming bread. That's radical. Jesus is radical. We live in a radical world. If you're gonna get radical, get radical with him. Amen? Now, using the uh, synoptics, Luke expands on this. Jesus said, I'm gonna make you to become fishers of men. He emerged from the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. He entered the synagogue and he taught. Now. I want you to watch this. He comes out of the the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. He walked into a synagogue and he taught. And the Bible says, Luke, not Mark, but Luke points out as his custom was. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he quoted Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor, heal the sick bind up the broken in heart, so on and so forth. Now, when Jesus, when we're told by Luke that he went into the synagogue as his custom was, we're given a glimpse into what theologians call the silent years. We, we know a little bit about him as a child, as a baby. We know that he was born in the, in the manger. We know that uh, they took him to Nazareth. We know that he was born in Bethlehem. We know that when he was around 12 years old, he was in the synagogue asking the doctors questions that just blew their minds because there's never been a more intelligent man in the history of the world than Jesus. He's the most intelligent man to ever live. And so as a 12-year-old, here he is asking doctors questions and telling them things that blew their mind. See, Jesus didn't have an IQ. He created IQ. If you'd ever given him an IQ test, he'd have blown it off the charts. They would have had a meltdown on the spot. He's the most intelligent man who ever lived. Okay? We, we know these things about his childhood, but for the most part, they're called the silent years because we don't know anything else about him. But here we're given a little bit glimpse and we're told something. It was his custom on the Sabbath day, week by week, to be at church. And we also know that his reputation had to have been really good because they would ask him to read. And he would stand up and read the scriptures. He would play a part in leading in the services. Now he was not a rabbi in the sense of a priest in the synagogue, but he was a very respected I'm I'm hesitant to say this, but it's probably right. Layperson. Very respected layperson. Because he worked as a carpenter with his father, that is his named father, but not his real father, Joseph. Because his real father was God. Now, in the synagogues of that day, the holy book, uh, or the holy books were always read standing up. And they would either read from the law, which was. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, or they would read from the prophets. And when the person who was gonna read the scriptures was asked to read, he would be handed what they wanted him to read. And so, it was not unusual for the synagogue officials, if any stranger was present, who was known to be competent, to turn to him and say, would you do the reading today? It's just, I've done this before here in this church. You know, I may ask a David or George or, or Matt or somebody, would you stand up and read some scriptures for the communion? And they get up and they read. But in these days, there was no New Testament, so they would read either the law or the prophets, and they would be handed what to read. And obviously, Jesus was well known in Nazareth, And he apparently had a really good reputation as a preacher, for it was his custom, his habit, to stand up and read. Oh, what I would pay to be standing there just once to hear Jesus read. Can you imagine this? When he stood up, can you imagine? Over and over again, the Son of God stood up to read on the Sabbath. And he would read out of whatever, Genesis, uh, Exodus. He would read out of Isaiah, out of Jeremiah, out of Ezekiel, out of Daniel. And he did this over and over again. Jesus was a churchgoer. He was faithful to go to the synagogue. Now, it just so happened. Now, I don't believe in just so happened, but I gotta say something, so I'm gonna say it just so happened. Or God so ordered it. Now, on this particular day, now they've known him since he was a little boy. you got to get this. This is not a stranger. He lived there, worked there. They were very familiar with Jesus. He had read over and over again to them. He was an upstanding member of the community. But something has happened they know nothing about. He's been down to the Jordan. He has gotten baptized in water. When he came up out of that water, the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. Then he was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. He has just come back from a cosmic struggle with the foe of all mankind. He's walking now in something very different. He stands up to read like he had done so often before. But this time, something is different about him, It just so happened they hand him Isaiah 61. said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Catch this now. They didn't know what he had been through. They hand him Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. And the Bible says that when Jesus read this, the eye of everybody in that synagogue was fastened on him. The difference was the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit of God. What an incredible scripture to be given to read when it's you, Isaiah, was talking about. (laughs) Centuries ago. And now here you are, and it's the fullness of time. And you're reading Isaiah 61 all about yourself. And the eye of everybody there, they can't take their eyes off of you. They are glued. They are fastened, fixed on you. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison doors to those that are bound and chained in sin to proclaim the acceptable... Then he closed the book and he said, today... This is fulfilled in your ears. Now, wait a minute. They they, they go, huh? And and the Bible tells us, they said, isn't this Joseph's son? What is he talking about? He must have lost his marbles. He's been working too hard. Too much sawdust in the brain. Uh Uh-uh. Mark tells us that they were amazed at his teaching. The Greek verb is to strike with astonishment. Jesus read Isaiah 61, then he began to expound on it. We don't know what all he said because we're not told in the Bible. But we know that he taught. We know that he shared. We know that he began to expound on this. And as he taught deeply spiritual things, they were amazed, they were astonished, they were dumbstruck, by the things that were coming out of his mouth, because this is not the normal Jesus they're used to standing up and reading. Matthew tells us that Jesus went about all Galilee when he came out of the wilderness, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. But his first stop was his own home synagogue in Nazareth. Now, They said about his teaching it's with authority and he's not teaching us like the scribes do. What did the scribes teach like? It was filled with tradition, empty tradition that meant absolutely nothing. It neglected judgment and mercy and faith and this Jesus told us. And they did not walk their talk. Jesus stood up and he began to preach the word of God and teach the word of God with authority. Something was very different. It was the power of the Spirit. It was his moment, his hour to begin. Now, the effect of Jesus' teaching in the power of the Spirit was immediate. Here's what happened. The Bible says a man with an unclean spirit sitting in church, sitting there probably every week, a man with a demon spirit, cried out saying, now, y'all, use your sanctified imagination with me for a minute. You're in church, you're in the synagogue, and you talk about structured, and you talk about ordered, and you talk about the same old, same old. You talk about something new never happening. You talk about old, crusty, dead, religious tradition. And then all of a sudden, Jesus, the the carpenter of Nazareth, known by everybody, stands up and says, today, this is fulfilled in your ears. And he began to expound Beautiful, spiritual truth. And suddenly, out of the crowd, one man says, leave us alone. Now we're moving into another dimension. Not only of sight and sound, but mine. I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. That's, that's the <laughs> twilight zone. We're moving into another dimension. Because now you see, Jesus is in the power of the Spirit. And he is... He is confronting and affecting and aggravating and intimidating evil spirits. So immediately, Mark launches us into the supernatural. This is now the supernatural. No more Carpenter, no more same old, same old, something supernatural is happening in church. The man was so absolutely in the power of this evil spirit that he seemed to dwell in him. As a matter of fact, The Greek reads this way, a man in an unclean spirit cried out. The original Greek uses en, en, in, a man in an unclean spirit. He was so possessed by this devil that he seemed to be swallowed up in this devil. It reminds me where John says in 1 John 1.19, talks about the whole world lying in the power of the evil one. And our world is in the power of the evil one, y'all. I want this Jesus in church. I don't want a a traditional Jesus. I don't want a dead Jesus. I don't want a Jesus I've made up. I don't want a Jesus you've made up. I want the real Jesus, the one who stands and ministers to the people. So, So a man in an unclean spirit cried out, Now, I see several things in this story, and I want to bring this out. First of all, the cry from the demon erupted before Jesus even addressed him. This is the power of the Spirit. This is the power of God's Spirit when he moves. I had a lady tell me this week, when I walked into your church for the very first time and walked in the doors, I suddenly felt the Holy Spirit Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. He came out in the power of the Spirit, and it was the power of the Spirit resting on him that did what we're going to look at. The demon could not stand being in the presence of the power of the Spirit. This is why it's not that you got to have a bunch of money. You don't need a fabulous building, but what you do need if you're going to have real church is the presence of the Spirit of God moving in church. This is a fascinating story because the cry from the demon came out when Jesus was just reading the Bible. There was an instant recognition in the spirit world of the anointed Messiah. They immediately, it, immediately everything transcended flesh and blood and it was catapulted into the realm of the spirit world. Jesus in the power of the spirit. And this man sitting out there tormented by demon spirits. And he said, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Did this ever happen when Jesus stood up to read before? Never. Why now? Because it was in the power of the spirit he read And it was his time to launch into his ministry. So Jesus immediately confronted evil spirits. The demon revealed the fate of all demons. He said, did you come to destroy us before the time? Wow. Mm -mm -mm. Now, I don't want to say that I could ever let a demon preach. But I got to tell you, this demon preached. Because, first of all, he said, I know that you're going to destroy us one day. I know that our days are numbered because you're going to destroy us. Did you know that the devil's days are numbered? And I'm talking about the real fallen archangel, not a silly little creature, the real fallen archangel, Satan Lucifer, who has troubled the nations and rebelled against God. His days are numbered and all of the demon spirits that followed with him.
0: As Christians, we know what it means to seek after the Lord, but do we know what it means to truly use His divine power? Have you ever used His power in times of suffering or preaching the gospel? In today's message from Pastor Jeff, we learned how to use the power of God's grace and why it's important to use it. You'll never progress in your faith in the ways that you desire by ignoring the gifts that God has waiting for you. Press into God's glory. We'd love for you to have additional resources. Here's Diane with more. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard today, we'd like to know. You can call or text us at the following number and share your thoughts. That number to text is 817-484-4767. Once again, that's 817-484-4767. Thanks for being a part of this ministry and helping it continue to be an encouraging and uplifting resource for you and others. Now I'll hand it back to Daniel as he gives a preview of what's next. In the uncertain times of our world today, it can be easy to be unsure of where you stand in Christ. There are new religions every day, along with denominations splitting apart. With all of this change in the Christian faith, what are we to do? Next time, Pastor Jeff teaches you how to stay strong in your faith no matter what lies the world is feeding you, no matter how confusing or dark it gets. Always stay steadfast in your commitment to the heart of Jesus. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in for this edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. You can listen to more messages from this and other books of the Bible by visiting hardwired.org. Join us next time to continue our study in the Book of Mark right here on Hardwired.